Part three, chapter ten of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part three, chapter ten. All plans had failed. Vinitius had humiliated himself even to the extent of seeking support from the freedmen and the slaves of both Caesar and Poppaea. He paid enormous sums for empty promises. By rich gifts he won only their good will. He found the first husband of Poppaea and secured a letter from him. He made a present of a villa in Antium to Rufius, her son by the first marriage. He only succeeded in angering Caesar, who disliked his stepson. He dispatched a special courier to Poppaea's second husband, Otho, in Spain, offering him all his possessions. At last he realized that he was but the plaything of these people, and that if he had shown less anxiety about the imprisonment of Lygia, he might have freed her sooner. Petronius also realized this. Meanwhile day passed after day, and the amphitheatre was finished. The entrance tickets to the morning games were already distributed. But now the morning games, on account of the unprecedented number of victims, were to continue for days and weeks, and even months. They did not know where to lodge the multitude of Christians. The prisons were overcrowded, and fear was raging among them. The puticoli, the common pits where slaves were confined, also began to be filled, and it was feared lest an epidemic should break out and spread over the whole town. Therefore haste was necessary. All these reports came to the ears of Vinitius, and extinguished the last spark of hope. While there was yet time something seemed possible, but now this time had passed. The spectacle must begin. Lygia might be brought any day into the dungeon of the circus, the only outlet to which was the arena. Vinitius knew not where fate or superior force might throw her. He visited every circus, bribing the guards and the keepers of the wild beasts, and proposing to them plans which they could not execute. At times he recognized that the utmost he could hope for was to lessen the horrors of her death. Then he would feel that not brains, but burning coals filled his skull. He had no thought of outliving her. He resolved to perish with her. His fear was lest pain might burn the life out of him ere the horrible end arrived. Petronius and all his friends thought that any day might open to him the kingdom of shadows. The face of Vinitius was black, and resembled those waxen masks which were kept in the sanctuaries of the tutelar deities. His features grew cold. He seemed unconscious of all that was going on around him. If one spoke to him he raised his hand mechanically to his head, and, pressing his temples with the palm of his hands, looked at the speaker with inquiry and dismay. He passed his nights with Ursus at Lygia's door in the prison. When she ordered him to leave and seek rest, he returned to Petronius and paced along the hall till morning. "'Thou hast a right to destroy thyself, but not her. Remember what Sejanus's daughter suffered before death,' said Petronius. He was not entirely sincere in this speech, for Vinitius concerned him more than Lygia, but he saw that he could do nothing to restrain him from a dangerous step save to assure him that he would draw down irrevocable peril on Lygia. In this he was right, for on the Palatine they expected the visit of the young tribune, and had prepared themselves for it. But the sufferings of Vinitius were too great even for a strong man. From the moment when Lygia had been imprisoned, and the glory of the coming martyrdom had fallen upon her, 
he not only loved her a hundredfold more but actually adored her giving her almost religious honor as he would do to a divinity now that he must lose that beloved and adored being now that death and something worse than death might befall her the blood froze in his veins his soul was changed into one groan his thoughts were confused at times it seemed to him that his head was filled with fires which would either burn or split it he ceased to understand why christ as the merciful one as god did not come to aid those who confess him why the smoky walls of the palatine did not sink into the ground and with them nero and the augustales the praetorian camp and the whole city with its burden of crime he thought it could not and ought not to be otherwise all that his eyes gazed upon all that was shattering his soul and breaking his heart seemed a dream but the roaring of the wild beasts awoke him to the fact that it was a reality the noise of the axes under which the arena rose told him it was true and that truth was emphasized by the howlings of the populace and the crowded state of the prisons then his faith in christ was shaken and that was a new torture probably the most awful of all it was at this moment that petronius had said to him remember what the daughter of sejanus suffered before her death slaves often found him kneeling with his hands raised or lying prostrate with his face to the earth praying to christ for he was his last hope everything had failed lygia could only be rescued by a miracle and in order that she might be saved by a miracle vinitius beat the stones of the floor with his brow there still remained to him the knowledge that peter's prayers were of more value than his peter had promised lygia to him peter had baptized him peter himself performed miracles let him give help and rescue one night he sought the apostle the christians of whom only a few remained had hidden him carefully even from one another lest the weaker in spirit might betray him unwittingly or unintentionally vinitius in the midst of general confusion and terror occupied only with his efforts to get lygia out of prison had lost sight of the apostle from the time of his baptism he had seen him but once and that was before the beginning of the persecution but going to the quarryman in whose hut he had been baptized he learned from him that there would be a meeting of christians in the vineyards situated outside the porto salaria belonging to cornelius pudens the quarryman undertook to guide him to the vineyard assuring him that he would find peter there when it became dark they started passed beyond the walls walked through hollows overgrown with reeds and reached the vineyard which lay in a wild and secluded place the meeting was held in a wine-shed as vinitius neared the place the murmur of prayer reached his ears on entering he saw by the dim light of a lantern several scores of kneeling people absorbed in prayer they recited a litany a chorus of voices male and female repeated every moment christ have mercy deep and heart-rending sorrow were expressed in those voices peter was present he was kneeling in front near a wooden cross fastened to the wall of the shed he was lost in prayer vinitius recognized him from a distance by his white hair and uplifted hands the first thought of the young patrician was to advance through the kneeling people cast himself at the feet of the apostle and cry help but either out of a sense of the decorum due to prayer or because of a weakness which bent his knees under him he began to repeat groaning and swinging his hands christ have mercy 
had he been fully conscious he would have realized that his prayer was not the only one with a groan in it and that he was not the only supplicant who brought here pain sorrow and grief there was no one present in that meeting who had not lost dear ones at a time when the most zealous and the boldest believers were already prisoners when with every moment news was received of new insults and tortures inflicted upon the prisoners the magnitude of the calamity exceeded all imagination when only a handful of christians remained there was not one heart in the midst of them which was not alarmed in faith and did not ask doubtingly where is christ why does he tolerate evil so that it becomes mightier than god meanwhile they besought him in despair for mercy for in each soul there still smouldered a spark of hope that he would come destroy evil throw nero into the abyss and rule the world they still looked toward the sky they still listened they still prayed with trembling vinitius also as he repeated christ have mercy was seized with such an ecstasy as he had once before experienced in the quarryman's hut now they call on him from the depths of their sorrow now peter calls on him at any moment the heavens might open the earth be shaken to its foundations and he appear in infinite glory with stars at his feet merciful but terrible he would resuscitate his faithful ones and command the abyss to swallow up their persecutors vinitius covered his face with both hands and cast himself to the ground silence fell around him at once as if fear had hushed the voices of all present it seemed to him that now at last something must happen that the moment for a miracle had arrived he was certain that when he arose and opened his eyes he would see a light blinding to mortals but the silence was unbroken until interrupted by the sobbing of the women vinitius rose and looked with dazed eyes around him in the shed instead of heavenly glory flickered the dim glow of the lanterns the moon penetrated through an opening in the roof filling the shed with a silvery light the people kneeling around vinitius raised their tearful eyes in silence toward the cross here and there sobbing was heard and from the outside came the whistling of the watchmen then peter arose turned toward the congregation and said children lift up your hearts towards our redeemer and offer to him your tears then he was silent suddenly from the midst of the congregation the voice of a woman sorrowful and complaining was heard i am a widow i had only one son who supported me return him to me o lord silence reigned again peter was standing near the kneeling group old and full of care in that moment he appeared to them the personification of decrepitude and weakness then another voice began to complain executioners dishonored my daughter yet christ allowed it then a third voice i remain alone with the children and when i am taken who will give them bread and water then a fourth linus whom they spared at first they have taken again and put to torture o lord then a fifth when we return home the praetorians will seize us where shall we hide woe to us who will protect us thus in the silence of night rose complaint after complaint the old fisherman closed his eyes and shook his white head over the pain and suffering of humanity silence reigned again only the watchman gave out a low whistle beyond the shed vinitius sprang up again so as to push through the group to the apostle and demand help from him 
but of a sudden he saw in front of him as it were a precipice a sight that took the strength from his feet what would happen if the apostle should confess his own weakness and affirm that the roman caesar was mightier than christ of nazareth terrified at that thought he felt that in such case not only would the remainder of his hope fall into the precipice but also he and lygia and his love for christ his faith and everything for which he lived nothing would remain save death and a night like a boundless sea and now peter spoke beginning in a voice so low that one could barely hear him my children i have seen how on golgotha men nailed god to the cross i heard the sound of the hammers and saw how they raised the cross so that the mob might gaze at the death of the son of man and i saw them open his side and saw how he died and when i returned from the cross i cried aloud in pain as ye are now crying woe woe lord thou art god why hast thou permitted this why hast thou died why hast thou afflicted our hearts when we believed thy kingdom would come but he our lord and our god rose from the dead the third day and was among us until he entered his kingdom in great glory and we conscious of our little faith were strengthened in heart and from that time we have been sowing the seed turning to that side whence the first complaint had come he spoke in a stronger voice why dost thou complain god surrendered himself to torture and death and ye wish that he should shield ye from it o people of little faith have ye received his teaching as he promised ye nothing but life he comes to you and says to you come follow in my path he raised you to himself and ye fasten your hands to the earth and call lord help in the presence of god i am dust but before you i am the apostle of god and his vicar i say unto to you in the name of christ there is not death before you but life not torture but endless joy not tears and groans but singing not slavery but dominion i the apostle of god tell thee o widow thy son will not die but will be born into glory into everlasting life and thou wilt rejoin him i promise thee o father whose chaste daughter has been assaulted by the executioners that thou wilt find her whiter than the lilies of hebron to you mothers bereaved of your children to you who have lost fathers to you who complain to you who must witness the death of your beloved ones to you who are distressed unfortunate disturbed to you who have to die in the name of christ i tell ye that ye will awake as from sleep to a happier condition and as from night to the light of god in the name of christ let the scales fall from your eyes and be your hearts inflamed he raised his hands as though in command the hearers felt new blood coursing through their veins and a shaking up of their bones before them was no longer standing a careworn and feeble old man but a mighty one who had aroused their souls and lifted them up from dust and terror amen cried several voices the light from his eyes was constantly increasing power issued from him when the amen ceased he continued to speak ye sow in weeping so that ye may reap in joy why then fear the power of evil above the earth above rome above the walls of the city is the lord who dwells with you 
the stones will be wet from tears the sands will be saturated with blood the valleys will be filled with your bodies but i say unto you ye will come forth victorious the lord will conquer this city of crime oppression and haughtiness and ye are his legions and as he has redeemed with blood and torture the sins of the world so he wishes that you should redeem with torture and blood this nest of unrighteousness he lets you know this through my lips and peter spread his arms and fixed his eyes on the heavens the hearts of the people almost ceased beating in their breasts for they felt that he gazed upward because he beheld something invisible to their mortal eyes his whole face had changed a serene light illuminated it for a while he was silent as if speechless through rapture but after a moment they heard his voice thou art here o lord and showest me the way how can this be o christ not in jerusalem but in this city of satan dost thou desire to establish thy capital dost thou wish to build up thy church with these tears and blood here where nero rules to-day is thy eternal kingdom to stand o lord lord and thou commandest these frightened ones to lay the foundation of the new holy zion upon their bones and thou commandest my spirit to rule over it and over the peoples of the world and thou pourest the fountain of thy strength upon the weak so that they are made strong and now thou commandest me to feed from here thy sheep until the consummation of the ages oh be thou praised in thy decrees whereby thou hast ordained victory hosanna hosanna the timid arose in the doubters new streams of faith flowed some voices shouted hosanna others for christ then came silence the bright summer lightning lit up the interior of the shed and the faces pale from emotion peter in a trance prayed for a long time more but awakening at last he turned upon the group his inspired face radiant with light and said see how the lord hath vanquished doubt in you so that ye also might go to victory in his name and though he knew that they would conquer although he knew what would spring from their tears and their blood nevertheless his voice trembled when he began to bless them with the sign of the cross and now he said i bless you my children for torture for death for eternity they gathered around him calling out we are ready but guard thy holy head for thou art the vicar of christ performing his office with these words they grasped his mantle he then placed his hands on their heads and blessed every one separately as a father blesses children whom he sends on a long journey and immediately they began to leave the shed for they had to hurry to their houses and from them to the prisons and the arenas their thoughts were away from the world their souls soared towards eternity and they walked as though in a dream or as in a trance they were opposing with all the force that was in them the excruciating force of the beast nereus the servant of pudens took the apostle and led him through a secret path to his house but in the midst of the clear night vinitius followed them and when they at last reached the hut of nereus he threw himself suddenly at the feet of the apostle he recognized him and asked what dost thou wish my son vinitius after what he had heard in the shed did not dare ask anything he only embraced the apostle's feet with both hands and pressed his brow to them in this dumb fashion alone he called for mercy 
i know said peter they have taken from thee the maiden whom thou lovest pray for her lord groaned vinitius tightening his embrace upon the feet of the apostle lord i am a worm i am all unworthy but thou hast known christ do thou ask him and stand up in her behalf from very anguish he trembled like a leaf he beat his forehead against the earth knowing the apostle's power he knew that he alone could restore her to him peter was moved by that anguish he remembered how once lygia herself attacked by crispus lay at his feet in the same manner asking for mercy he remembered also that he lifted her and comforted her so now he raised vinitius also my dear son he said i will pray for her but remember what i told those doubting ones that god himself had passed through torture upon the cross and remember that after this life another begins an everlasting one i know i heard replied vinitius breathing heavily through his pale lips but thou seest master that i cannot if blood is wanted ask christ to accept mine i am a soldier let him torment me doubly yea triply what is prepared for her she is still a child master and i believe that he is mightier than caesar mightier thou didst love her thyself thou hast even blessed her she is yet an innocent child he bowed again and putting his face to peter's knees repeated thou hast known christ master thou hast known he will listen to thee stand up in her behalf peter closed his eyelids and prayed earnestly the summer lightning once more flashed in the sky in its illumination vinitius gazed on the apostle's lips waiting for the verdict of life or death the silence was only broken by the calling of the quails in the vineyard and the distant dull noise of the treadmills near the via salaria vinitius said the apostle at last dost thou believe in him master were it otherwise would i be here answered vinitius then believe to the end for faith moves mountains even though thou wert to see the maiden under the sword of the executioner or in the lion's mouth believe yet for christ is able to save believe and pray to him and i will pray with thee then he raised his face toward heaven merciful christ he cried look down upon a bruised heart and comfort it o merciful christ moderate the wind to the fleece of the lamb merciful christ who didst ask the father to turn away the bitter cup from thy mouth turn it away from the mouth of this thy servant amen and vinitius stretching his hands towards the stars said groaning o christ i am thine take me instead of her in the east the sky began to pale. End of part three, chapter ten.